0: You're listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello listeners, welcome back to my podcast. This is the third and final part of this little series of episodes I've done about using ChatGPT to help you learn English. I'm experimenting with lots of different prompts to see if it can do things like create a study plan, simulate natural conversations, correct your errors, provide role play practice for specific situations, and help you with Cambridge exam tasks and practice. In this part, I'm going to try to answer these questions. Can ChatGPT do the job of a dictionary and all the different specific things that dictionaries can do? Um, Can it transcribe things into phonemic script to show you pronunciation? And if it does transcribe into phonemic script, which version of English is it using? Which accent is it using? Is it going to be an American accent, a British accent? And can it sort of uh, convert uh, forms of English into other forms of English? I mean, can it convert from American English into British English and into other different forms? types of British English. I mean, different regional variations. Is it able to help us practice reading out loud or uh, practice using our voice to present texts or presentation scripts? Can it help to show us the right pausing, the right intonation, the right sentence stress and word stress? Can it help us to practice grammar by creating quizzes or tests? And are those tests reliable? Can it help you to remember vocabulary as well with tests? And can it help you remember words and spelling with mnemonic devices to help you remember vocabulary and remember spelling? Can it create mnemonics for you? Can it create text adventure games to help you learn English in a, in a more fun way? And can it adapt its English to different levels? For example, can it adapt to a lower level of English? So those are the things I'm going to be talking about. Also, at the end, I'll be giving my overall thoughts and conclusions about all of this. You can get a PDF of the script for this episode, which includes all the prompts I'm using to get ChatGPT to do all these specific things. So check the episode description and you'll find a link to my website page uh, where you can get the PDF scripts for parts one, two and three of this series. If you're watching this on YouTube, I recommend using the full screen mode so that you can see the on-screen text more easily and it'll help you read it. Okay, so without further ado, let's now play around with ChatGPT a bit more and see if it can help you learn English and if it's going to basically make me unemployed. Okay, let's move on to another possible function of ChatGPT, and that is uh, using it like a dictionary. Can it replace a dictionary? So you can ask it to define words. My prompt is, what does rambling mean? So rambling is a word that I use on this podcast quite a lot when I do episodes without a script and I just kind of talk without any particular direction. Um, and I seem to go on and on and on, going from one subject to the next. It's kind of, it, the, the the word is often used in a kind of critical or pejorative sense, meaning, oh, you're rambling, you'll stop rambling, you're rambling again. So it's often used in a negative sense. But on my podcast, I like to, to ramble in a positive way. Um, It's kind of one of the things I do, isn't it? So even though uh, sometimes it's used to criticise people, oh, you're rambling, stop rambling. Um, I've used that and turned it into my superpower. Anyway, what does rambling mean? Let's see what um, ChatGPT does um, in response to this task. Actually, if I just go to uh, OxfordLearnersDictionaries.com, OxfordLearnersDictionary.com, OxfordLearnersDictionaries.com, which is one of the dictionaries I like to use. Um, Let's see what it says, how it defines rambling. So you can see that when you search for a word in OxfordLearnersDictionaries.com, first of all, it's got lots of advertising all around it, unless you have an ad blocker. I do have an ad blocker, but apparently uh, it's not working on this page, or maybe I switched it off to help Oxford Dictionaries actually get some ad revenue. Anyway, First of all, there's all the adverts. You don't get that on ChatGPT. But, the useful stuff. Rambling. So it gives us pronunciation. I think you can't hear that. Rambling in both British and American pronunciation. So there's an audio recording of the word being spoken. Rambling. Rambling in British and American English with the phonemic script showing the phonemes of how the word is pronounced. It gives us a variety of definitions, because, you know, like like a lot of words, it's got a few different definitions. Um, A rambling building, rambling speech, a rambling plant. Okay. It gives us synonym. So a rambling building, it means spreading in various directions with no particular pattern. A rambling old house in the country. Okay. Did that come up in the podcast recently? Um, the uh, the one, Parson's Pleasure, the house he visits is a rambling house. Okay, so it's uh, uh, um, a rambling old house, a house that's um, sort of disorganized and big. One room leads into another room and it's a bit of a mess. A rambling old house. Rambling speech means very long and confused, according to Oxford. A rambling letter, a letter that just goes on and on and on and it's not very organized. She set off on a long rambling account of something that had happened the day before. That's someone describing what happened to them the day before and somebody kind of goes off talking in a a, uh, disorganized way. And a rambling plant (coughs) growing or climbing in all directions. For example, a plant that might climb up the wall of a building or climb everywhere. Rambling plants in a garden that hasn't been um, looked after. Okay. Um, And yeah, okay. It also shows us nearby words like rambler, another noun, Um, rambling, which also is a noun. It tells us, it it groups it in with topics about buildings. Um, It shows us some other uh, related words and things and some other options. Okay, what about chat GPT? How does it deal with, with that? What does rambling mean? Maybe maybe a better way of doing this. Actually, stop. I've asked it to stop. Can you give me a dictionary, um, not dictionary, definition? Okay, let's go for dictionary definition. Definition of the word rambling. Well, it's the same thing, but anyway, let's see. Maybe that's gonna encourage it to give us more information, the sort of thing you would get in a dictionary. But it's thinking about that one. It says, certainly, according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary. Oh, okay, So it's able to actually grab information from other dictionaries. Uh, Rambling has a few different definitions. So verb, intransitive, to move aimlessly from place to place. Verb, intransitive, to talk or write in a desultory or long-winded wandering fashion. Adjective, spreading irregularity and without restraint, like the plant. Adjective, having a structure that's difficult to follow because it includes too many details or elements that are not well organized or well connected. So that's just taking it from Merriam-Webster. Let's just see what happens when you say, what does rambling mean? The reason I'm asking again is because I just want Chat GPT to give, it, give me its answer rather than referring to another dictionary. It's thinking about it, rambling. It says, rambling can have a few different meanings depending on the context, one meaning Of rambling is to wander or move about aimlessly or without a clear purpose." Okay, so it's defining the word. Fair enough. So it's giving me, it's going to give me definitions of moving, talking or growing like a plant or or organised like a, you know, in the way a house is organised. Okay, just definitions. So it gave a pretty good definition Um, It gave pretty good definitions, but that's all it gave, really. I mean, the previous one, the one that it grabbed from Merriam-Webster, it did tell us the parts of speech as well. Adjective, verb, noun, and so on. But mainly it just gave us um, the definitions. It didn't give us other things that OxfordDictionaries.com gave us. Um, I didn't mention before one of the most important things that you get from Oxford Dictionaries, and probably the other ones, is the example sentences. So, arguably, it's not as good as a proper dictionary. Just type the words into a dictionary and you'll get way more info, including the parts of speech, pronunciation, example sentences, related phrasal verbs, and so on. But having said that, you can ask ChatGPT for more specific details about words, including things like this. Can you give me some example sentences with the word ramble in different tenses? So, I've switched over to the verb ramble. It's still giving me definitions. I'm going to switch over to the verb ramble now. My request is this can you give me some example sentences with the verb ramble in different tenses? It's <clears throat> going to think about that. My other questions are what are common collocations with the word ramble? What are some synonyms of the word ramble? And we'll see that I probably will have to specify synonyms for ways of talking because I want specifically other ways of. Saying that I'm rambling, uh, you know things like waffling or going on and on. You know, uh, can you transcribe the word ramble in phonemic script? So those are things I, I could ask it to. So it says this. Here are some examples of the verb ramble in different tenses. I often ramble when I'm nervous. He tends to ramble on and on about his hobbies. She is currently rambling through Europe with her backpack. Past tense. Yesterday we rambled through the park for hours. Okay, so it does. The task, and what's kind of better here is that you can specify exactly what kind of example sentences you want rather than relying only on the ones that have been given by you given to you by the dictionary. You know, you can actually request more and more and be more specific. Future tenses next weekend, we're planning to ramble through the countryside. I'll probably ramble on a bit during my presentation, but I'll try to stay on topic. Not bad. We're going to keep moving forwards here. Etymology, you could say, what is the origin of the expression break a leg? So you can ask it to explain word or, and phrase origins to you and it seems to do quite a good job of that. But again, um the answers are not 100% verified. But having said that, when I asked it to explain the expression break a leg, it did say, "Well, there are lots of reasons why no lots of people, you know, people disagree, but here are some of the reasons given." Fair enough. Uh, Another useful thing you can ask it to do is to to create mnemonics to help you remember vocabulary. Mnemonics are little devices that you can use to remember things. Like, for example, a mnemonic for how to spell the word necessary is never eat cereal, eat salmon sandwiches. N-E-C-E-S-S-A-R-Y. Okay, never eat cereal, eat salmon sandwiches. That's the mnemonic that I've always used for remembering how to spell the word necessary, which when I was a kid at school was a difficult word to spell. So can you create some mnemonics to help me remember these words and phrases? So you could be mnemonics for spelling. Wait a minute. Let's see if it can do that. Can you give me a mnemonic to help me remember how to spell necessary? Let's see what it says. That's some... Crea- I'm asking it for some really creative thinking. Or maybe I'm asking it to just search for what other people have said. But here it's, here it's giving me an answer. Here's a mnemonic to help remember how to spell necessary. Never eat cake, eat salad sandwiches, and remain young. Wow, that's even better than mine. <laughs> each first letter of these words represents the first letter of each syllable in the word. It's quite, rem- quite memorable as well. Never eat cake, eat salad sandwiches, and remain young. Yeah. Okay. Now, can it give us mnemonics to help us remember words and phrases? Not just the spelling, but the words and phrases. So, can you create some mnemonics to help me remember these words and phrases? And I've added ramble, waffle, meander, go off on a tangent, and get sidetracked. Let's see how it, res- how it responds to that. Okay, right. It's giving me, it's giving me spelling mnemonics. That's not what I want. Okay, it's giving me spelling ones. Can you give me mnemonics to help me remember the meanings of these words and phrases? To be honest, what you need as learners of English, you don't just need to remember the meanings of the phrases, you need to learn how to remember the phrases themselves. So when it comes to the word ramble, you need to remember the sound of that word You just need to remember the word itself so that you can remember to say, oh, you're rambling again. So it could be that it's similar to the word rumble, R-U-M-B-L-E, and rumble means to make a continuous noise. Anyway, let's see what it says about mnemonics to help us remember the meanings of certain words rather than just the spellings. It says, sure, here are some mnemonics to help you remember the meanings of these words. Ramble. Talking without aim or goal, like a hiker without a trail. Moving along without purpose, like a wandering ram. Okay, a ram is a male, like a male goat or male sheep. If you can imagine a male sheep wandering, a ram, wandering around, ramble. wander A sheep that's lost and it's wandering around, it's rambling because it's a ram. Mm. Waffle which is a similar thing to rambling, just speaking without clear, without really clear organisation. Speaking without clear meaning like a waffle without a shape. Now, a waffle is a kind of food that you would eat. A waffle without a shape, will that help? Flipping between ideas without direction, like a waffle in a pan. Flipping like a waffle in a pan. Flipping from this to the, not bad. Meander, wandering aimlessly like a river without a course following a twisting path like a maze without an end. Okay, it did it, right? It did create the mnemonics, and I must say this is pretty impressive, Uh, but you still need to use your imagination a bit, right? Ramble, walking around like a ram that's lost. Bull, ram, bull, it meets a bull. Mm, It's a bit contrived. It's not the most efficient mnemonic ever. But it did come up with something. But the point is, you still need to use your imagination a bit. Okay. But these mnemonics are certainly a good starting point. They're they're little things that you can start with that you can help to create. You can help to, these things can help you create your own mnemonics, maybe. They can be good starting points. What about phonemic script? Can you ask uh, ChatGPT to to transcribe things into phonemic script? Uh, Yes, you can. It will do that. It will transcribe words, sentences into phonemic script, but it seems it only does it in standard American, or it certainly will uh, initially do it in a standard American pronunciation. Um, Is it good at transcribing things in British English? So here's a sentence. Um, I'd like a hot dog with lots of tomato sauce. Now, I designed that sentence so that it would reveal differences mainly between British and American English, because I'd say there's lots of "ah" oh sounds in there. Uh, hot dog with lots of tomato sauce. Also, in the UK we say tomato, and in the states they tend to say toma- tomato or tomato. So I'd like a hot dog with lots of tomato sauce. the The task is this: Can you just, can you transcribe this sentence into phonemic script? I'd like a hot dog with lots of tomato sauce. And its, its first response was in an American accent. I'd like a hot dog with lots of tom- tomatoes, tomato sauce. So it, it did it in an American accent, basically. And then I said, can you transcribe that in British English? And it wrote, I'd like a hot dog with lots of... Tomato sauce. So it got most of it right, but it still wrote tomato and it should be tomato, not tomato. Okay. What about different versions of the language? Um, can ChatGPT switch between British English and American English? And what about between different versions of British English? <clears throat> right. So my, my, uh, prompt for ChatGPT here is this. Can you convert this paragraph into, and then I've written insert dialect here. So what I've done here is I've come up with a paragraph or a short story that is designed to test whether ChatGPT converts between British and American English uh, effectively. Okay, so the the paragraph um, I came up with contains loads of words that are different between US and UK English. So, let's see if it can convert this UK version into US English. Now, first, let's see if you can do it, okay? First, what I'm going to do is I'll read it out. I'll read out this kind of stupid, meaningless story uh, about someone who gets locked out of their house because they lock their keys inside their house and they can't get back into the house. So, I'll, I'll read the story to you. Let's see if you can identify the words which will probably be different between US and UK English. Okay. for example, the first line of my story is this. I just popped out of my flat to get some post from the postman when I realised I had locked myself out. So to pop out, I popped out of the flat. This is very British. They might not say popped out in America generally. I popped out of my flat. This is British English. In American English, they would say apartment. To get some post, they tend to call it mail. The postman would be the mailman or the mail delivery worker or something when I realized I'd locked myself out. So I'm going to continue the story, see if you can identify um, other words or phrases that might be different between British and American English. All right. So uh, I was stuck outside with only a pair of slippers on and it was the middle of autumn. To make matters worse, I really needed the toilet. My car was there, but of course I'd left the car keys in the house as well, although I couldn't see where they were because my curtains were closed. Then I noticed that some bloody job had put a big scratch across the bonnet of my car. That made me really angry, I can tell you. You'll be hearing from my solicitor, I said to myself, Just when I thought my day couldn't get any worse, the TV aerial on the roof of my house fell off and crashed into the windscreen of my car, smashing it to pieces. I thought, I'll need to make a trip to the chemist for some medicine to help me recover from this. I walked along the main road... And on the way, I stopped to get some chips from the fish and chip shop at the main crossroads near my house. When I'd finished, I put the paper bag in the rubbish bin and walked under the flyover to the chemists. I got my medicine and headed home. Of course, I was still locked out. So in the end, I had to jump over the fence into my back garden and climbed into a window which I had left open. Luckily, I lived on the ground floor, so I didn't actually need to climb up the wall or anything, but unfortunately, I broke a mug which was on the windowsill. I used my hoover to clean up the broken pieces. Suddenly, I heard a siren, and someone knocked at the door. Oh no, it's the old Bill, I thought. They think I'm burgling my own house. I went to answer the door, but I didn't realise that I'd ripped my trousers climbing in the window. I opened the door and stood there with my trousers hanging open. They could see my pants and everything. How embarrassing all right, so obviously the the I really got carried away when I was writing that story, and it ended up too long probably <laughs> but um did you did you notice did you do you notice the like the British things in there okay let's let's ask chat g p t Can you convert this story into American English? Okay. Will it be able to handle so much text? Sure, here's the story in American English. I stepped out of my apartment, right? I stepped out, not popped out, of my apartment, not my flat, to grab some mail from the mailman, when I realised I'd locked myself out. I was stuck outside with only a pair of slippers on and it was the middle of fall. So fall, not not autumn. To make matters worse, I really needed to use the bathroom. The, the bathroom, not the toilet. My car was parked outside, but unfortunately I had left the car keys inside the house and couldn't locate them. Couldn't find them, couldn't see them because the curtains were closed. That's oh, interesting. I thought that they said drapes in American English, but apparently not. That's when I noticed that some vandal, not some yob, but some vandal had scratched my car's bonnet. That's not, that's not correct. In America, they don't call it the bonnet. They call it the hood of the car. I was really angry and vowed to contact my lawyer about it. Okay, so they don't say solicitor. They, they would say attorney or lawyer. Just when I thought my day couldn't get any worse, the TV aerial... I thought they say antenna. Hmm. And crashed into my car's windshield. Yeah, that's right. Shattering it into pieces. I thought to myself, I'm going to need some medicine to recover from this. Medicine. I walked along the main road and stopped at the fish and chips shop near the main intersection, intersection, not crossroads, to grab some food. So it's not just chips They've changed it to food. I mean, to be honest, ChatGPT has slightly rewritten uh, my story. But anyway, after finishing my food, I th- not chips, because chips in American English, as you probably know, is what we call crisps. Those things, whereas chips for us are the things that you'd have with your fish, you know. Um, larger, chunkier uh, pieces of uh, fried uh, potato. I threw away the paper bag and continued to the pharmacy. So not the chemist, but the pharmacy. Um, I I was thinking that it would change rubbish bin to trash can, but it's just kind of rewritten it and avoided using the word at all. I got my medicine and headed back home, but of course I was still locked out. In the end, I had to jump over the fence into my backyard. So they call it a backyard, not a back garden. And climb through an open window. Unfortunately, I broke a mug that was on the windowsill, so I used my vacuum cleaner to clean up the broken pieces. They call it a vacuum cleaner; we call it a Hoover. Um, suddenly, I heard a siren and someone knocked on the door. I thought, "Oh no, it's the police!" So not the old Bill, not the Bill, which is a slang word for the police. Um, I thought it might convert that to cops, because the Bill is a slang. British word for the for the police and the cops is like the equivalent American slang word. But anyway, they probably think I'm breaking into my own house in in American English. They don't say burgle. They'd say burglarize uh, or break in. Uh, I went to answer the door, but I didn't realize I'd ripped my pants. So not I'd ripped my trousers, but I'd ripped my pants. Pants in American English climbing through the window i opened the door and stood there with my pants hanging open it was so embarrassing so it didn't it just didn't include some of the things i'm going to try again with just that paragraph to see if it's cuz i distracted it with too much text maybe that's what's going on here can you convert this paragraph into american english just spell english correctly come on then Here's the paragraph. Let's just see if it it will say underwear instead of pants. Yeah, they did. Okay, I went to answer the, the door. I didn't realize I'd torn my pants. I stood there with my pants hanging open. They could see my underwear. So it's converted trousers to pants and pants to underwear. So it it does, if you give it, give it a chance. Um, another one is this, make a funny dialogue between two friends in a pub in London speaking British English, including include a joke at the end of the dialogue. Okay, come on then. Let's see if it can actually, um, let's see if it can make banter. Okay, make a funny dialogue between two friends in a pub in London bantering together in British English. Include a joke at the end of the dialogue. I'm curious to see what it comes up with. Okay, it says, sure, here's a funny dialogue between two friends in a London pub in British English. Friend one. Did you hear about the Italian chef that died? He passed away. He passed away. It's actually telling jokes. Friend two. Oh, that's terrible. I can only imagine what his family is going through. Cannoli is a form of pasta. Friend one. You're really milking that pun, aren't you? Friend two. Hey, I got. I got to give it the cheese it deserves. That's not really British English. Friend one, speaking of cheese, have you tried the pub's new grilled cheese sandwich? Friend two, no, but it's got to be Gouda, right? Oh my God, it's coming up with some incredibly cringeworthy dad jokes. Gouda is a form of cheese. It's got to be Gouda, right? It's got to be good, good. Ha, says friend two, you're a real cheddar box today. What's that mean? Friend two, well, I do love a good breezing pun battle, Oh god no that's horrible. No. Let's just have so I the, the problem is with that is that I asked it to create a dialogue between two friends bantering together and it really took that to mean making terrible jokes. But in 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 British English bantering just means having a funny conversation. Uh but let's just let's reset it and Make a funny dialogue between two friends in a pub in London speaking British English. Include a joke at the end of the dialogue. Here we go. Friend one. So have you heard about the new restaurant called Karma? Uh, Oh, no, it's going to do more terrible jokes. No, I haven't, says friend two. What's so special about it? Friend one says. (laughs) Well... There's no menu. You just get what you deserve. <laughs> it's called karma. <laughs> Friend two, ha. That's funny. Speaking of food, here comes the next joke. Have you tried the fish and chips here? I oh, know. All right. This is not a joke. This is just conversation. It's the best in London. Friend one says this. Actually, I have a funny, uh, I'll just wait for it to, let's wait for it to do it. <laughs> okay, I think I made chat GPT crash asking it to simulate um, informal British English conversation between two friends. It can't handle it. It's a bit too much for it. It could probably do it if I gave it a second chance, but it's paused. This is as far as it got. So we had the karma joke. And then speaking of food, have you tried the fish and chips here? It's the best in London, friend one. Actually, I have a funny story about fish and chips. My friend ordered it at a restaurant and asked the waiter, do you have any vinegar? The waiter replied, well, we have malt vinegar, sir. And my friend said, oh, sorry, I meant regular vinegar. I don't want my fish to taste like. Um... And then it just crashed. So maybe that's asking it to simulate British uh, uh, informal humour is just a bit much. You can also ask it to to convert that to different dialects. So I could ask it to generate the same response, but the two friends are from Belfast in Northern Ireland. I did ask it to do that the other day, and it came up with something that was pretty impressive. It used certain little phrases, turns of phrase, words and expressions that you might hear in Northern Ireland. Um, You know, the sorts of things that I did hear from some of my friends from Northern Ireland when I used to live with them, the sort of little phrases that they might say. So that's pretty impressive. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices So what about sentence stress, pausing and intonation? Ask it to help you read out a text with the right pausing, stress and intonation. This is one of the tasks I do with my students in my classes. I'll give them a text and they have to imagine they're going to read it out uh, and they have to divide the text up. They have to underline the words that are stressed. They have to mark pauses. They have to mark where uh, the voice goes up and where the voice goes down. And it's quite a good exercise for converting written English into spoken English and to consider the importance of pausing and the, wh- where we emphasize, where, how we punctuate sentences with our, with our voice, basically. Um, so, can you help me read out this paragraph showing where the pauses stress and intonation should be? This is what I asked it to do. And I got um, this paragraph from a random article Uh, about ChatGPT, which I found on medium.com, okay? So this is just a sample paragraph from the article, and uh, the paragraph is this. I'm gonna read it out in the way that I think it should be read out with the pausing and intonation and so on, okay? So, ChatGPT, or chat-based generative pre-trained transformer models, is a type of artificial intelligence that allows users to interact with a virtual assistant using natural language. This technology is based on the principles of of GPT-3, the third generation of the popular generative pre-trained transformer model. One of the key features of ChatGPT is its ability to generate responses in real time based on the user's input. Okay, so that's how I would read it out. Um, And so when I asked it to do this before, uh, we can see that ChatGPT is good at showing where the pauses should be. Okay. Uh, it's good at doing that. So um, it showed me this chat. This is the response it gave me. It said, here's how I would read out this paragraph with appropriate pauses, stress and intonation. It's good at showing the pauses. So it, it did this chat GPT or chat based generative pre-trained transformer models. Pause is a type of artificial intelligence pause, that allows users to interact to interact with a virtual assistant using natural language. Pause. So it does actually show us the pauses, but it's bad at showing word stress or sentence stress. Even though it knows this, you can ask it to give you the sentence stress or word stress. You can ask it to give you the word stress for certain words, and it'll do it. But when it comes to analyzing the whole text and breaking it up and chunking it, it doesn't do it very well. And this is its response to that. So it said this. Note that the stresses are on the syllables that are bolded. So this is its version. Chat GPT or chat-based generative pre-trained transformer models is a type of artificial intelligence. Uh, allows users to interact with virtual assistant using natural language. This technology... Is based on the principles of GPT-3, the third generation of the popular generative pre-trained transformer model. One of the, you know, it's it's got the stress wrong a lot. Uh, arti- artificial intelligence, uh, intelligence. The stress is on the second syllable, but it's put it on the first syllable. Um, allows users to interact with a virtual assistant. Assistant, um, the stress should be on the second syllable, but it's stressed the first and third syllables and other things. And it also says the intonation rises slightly at the end of the sentence to indicate a statement of fact. I don't know what, I don't think that's correct. You know, we don't rise at the end of statements to show that they're facts, do we? We don't. It's not like this. ChatGPT or chat-based generative pre-trained transformer models is a type of artificial intelligence that allows users to interact with a virtual assistant using natural language. So we definitely don't do that. So that's wrong. Uh, What about grammar or vocab quizzes or tests? Let's ask it to create a grammar review test for upper intermediate level. So the prompt is this, create a 10 question grammar test to help me practice English at an upper intermediate level. Now 10 questions isn't really enough to cover all areas of grammar, uh, but you would expect it to cover at least 10 different grammar points. Did it? Did it do that? Um, well, let's see. Let's basically see if it comes up with 10 different grammar points in its test. Okay, as I reset chat GPT, create a 10-question grammar test to help me practice English at an upper intermediate level. Is it going to give me a good range of different grammar points and what's the test going to look like? So, here we go. Choose the correct form of the verb to complete the sentence. He hmm, study for three hours every day. He studies for three hours every day. Present simple. That's not upper intermediate. Second, which sentence is grammatically correct? Me and my friend are going to the beach. My friend and I are going to the beach. Well, it's my friend and I are going to the beach. Because I is a subject pronoun, not me. Me is not a subject pronoun. It should be I. Mm -hmm. It's the sort of thing that native speakers get wrong. Rather than learners of English. Choose the correct form of the verb to complete the sentence. I hmm, see that movie yet. So, I haven't seen that movie, I hadn't seen that movie yet, I didn't see that movie yet, I was not seeing that movie yet. Now, to be honest, it could be A, B or C. In American English, they might say, I didn't see that movie yet. They do use past simple, um, when in British English, we would use present perfect. Um, I think it wants us to say, I haven't seen that movie yet, because most of the time, we use present perfect simple with yet, like that, don't we? But we could use past perfect. You know, I, I, um, I was very keen to see that film because I hadn't seen it yet. Right? I hadn't seen it at that point. Um, so I, it's, the answer is A. But, you know, you might need a teacher to interpret the answer. Sometimes there's a bit of grey area. Number four, which sentence is grammatically correct? Correct, he's taller than me, he's taller than I. So again, subject and object forms of pronouns. So we've had... Present tense, present simple tense, or tenses, but present simple really. We've had uh, subject and object pronouns. Um, number four, uh, number five. Choose the correct form of the verb to complete the sentence. The committee is slash are meeting today. The committee is. The committee are. <laughs> to be honest, this is one of those ones that could be either. The committee could be is. It could be a singular thing or it could be a plural thing, depending on how you consider the word. It could be a number of people or one unit, interesting. Number six, which sentence is grammatically correct? Each of the students have their own textbooks or each of the students has their own textbooks. So this is about subject-verb agreement when we use the word each, okay, it's each of the students has. Number seven, correct, choose the correct form of the verb. They travel to Paris next week. So they are traveling, they will travel, uh, they have traveled or they traveled. So it's either A or B, probably A. We normally use present continuous to talk about future plans. Eight, which sentence is grammatically correct? I could have done better on the test. That's the sort of mistake the native speakers make. Or I could have done better on the test, it's B. Um, choose the correct word to complete the sentence. I am interested in Learn or learning Spanish. It's interested in learning. So that's gerunds in infinitives. You know, what form we use after prepositions. And number 10, choose the correct form of the verb to complete the sentence. She blah, she gap, has been or had been studying for four hours. It could be either. Again, it depends on the the context, doesn't it? Hmm. I mean, all right. Okay. It's just like a rather random selection. And it also seems to give us uh, questions that are aimed at native speakers and their use of English grammar, because a lot of those contain typical errors made by native speakers. Mm. Uh, What happens if I ask it to make a 20-question grammar test for B2 level? Does Does it use a wide variety of forms? Does it require the test taker to demonstrate control over the language, or is it just multiple choice? Well, basically, The results are not as rigorous, complete, reliable, or detailed as similar tests in published materials, such as the diagnostic diagnostic test at the back of English Grammar in Use by Murphy, or indeed the exercises presented in English Grammar in Use, which are more carefully thought through. It's also not focused on language that you've been studying in your course. So it's just a kind of random selection of, of grammar questions, rather than, for example, the sort of maybe... Uh, practice test that you might do with your teacher in your classroom, which is designed to help you practice the the stuff you've been working on. So basically, it doesn't produce a very reliable test, Um, but you know, it's not bad for playing around with still. Uh, what about vocabulary review tests to help you remember words and phrases? So the prompt would be this. Create a vocabulary test to help me remember and use these words and phrases. And the words being waffle, ramble, meander, go off on a tangent, crack on, get away with, get by, get on with, get off on, get through to, and get around to. Let's say that's those are words and phrases that you've recently discovered or that you've be, recently been working with and you want to... You want it to create a test that will help you practice using those uh, phrases. So I asked it to do that. And the test it created was multiple choice and only contained definitions. So it basically said, what do these words mean? Here are some possible definitions. Now, definitions are, are good but they are not the best way to help you remember vocabulary. You need example sentences, and it's best if you have to use the words in a meaningful way and in a con- in a contextualized way. At least give us example sentences with the words and phrases removed and ask us to put the correct words in the correct place, perhaps in the correct form as well. That would be better, but the definition-based multiple choice thing is better than nothing, I suppose. And it's certainly quick and easy for you to do. Um, and I think this could be useful if you have a list of words or phrases that you're trying to remember. If you just want like quick exercise just to do in your free time, better than nothing. But there are better ways to create vocab uh, tests. Um, here's another idea: a text adventure game to practice grammar, or text adventure games to practice grammar. Now I've always wanted to create one of these, a text adventure game based on grammar. I've always wanted to do one of these, but I've never got round to it. One of the reasons is because it's time-consuming. It's quite time-consuming. It's quite a time-consuming task and requires a lot of patience to make sure I'm using plenty of good grammar questions and combining that with an interesting story with engaging choices. Maybe ChatGPT can cut out a lot of the work. So the... um The prompt is this, create a five-minute text adventure game to help me practice English grammar. Right, so I asked it to do that. Basically, it was a nice idea, but it did a bad job. It ended up creating a game with virtually no grammar questions, and then it played the game itself. It was rubbish, really. Um, I'm sure there are other language practice um, exercises or activities which ChatGPT could do, Um, You might need to be creative. You might need to think out of the box a little bit. You also might need to be very specific with your prompts. So, if you can think of some other things that you could get ChatGPT to do, to practice grammar and vocab, put them in the comments section. Um, Final things, a few final things. You can ask it to adapt its English level to yours. So, you can write things like this. Please adapt your English to B1 level or something similar. actually, I just tested this with this prompt. I said, can you give me some advice on how to set up a podcast studio? Use A2 level English. Let's see what it does. Give me some advice on how to set up a podcast studio. Please use A2 level English. That's quite difficult because describing a podcast studio, giving advice for doing that in A2 level English is pretty difficult. Let's see if it Grades its English. If you want to set up a podcast studio, here are some tips to get started. Find a quiet room. The first step is to find a quiet room where you can record without too much background noise. Look for a room that is away from traffic, noisy neighbours, or or any other sources of noise. Invest in a good microphone. Um, Okay, this is this is this is not bad. I think the English is not too complicated. It's pretty complicated. I think A2 level students might struggle a bit. Things like this, consider acoustic treatment. Acoustic treatment is the process of making your recording space sound better. This can include adding acoustic panels or soundproofing materials to the walls, floor and ceiling. Practice and refine. Once you have your studio set up, practice recording and editing until you're comfortable with the process. That's a bit of a complicated uh, sentence for A2 level. Hmm, not sure it, it's it's so good at that. Let's give it another test. Um Shakespeare. So the prompt is this can you adapt this pack this passage not package can you adapt this passage from Hamlet by Shakespeare into elementary level A two English? A two is technically pre intermediate. Let's go for A one then proper elementary English. So I'm going to give it, um, I'm going to give it a passage from Hamlet. Okay. So the passage is um, too many requests in one hour. Okay. Too many requests in one hour. Try again later, it says. So basically chap GPT has has, uh, has told me that um, it's had enough. (laughs) Uh, I think maybe it's because I'm using the free version. um, It's basically said that's enough. That's enough now. Um, you've used too many requests in one hour for the free version. So try again later. So that's it. I'm not going to be able to use it anymore. But basically, I did ask it to adapt a passage from Hamlet. The passage was uh, the famous one. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or take arms against the sea of troubles and by opposing end them, to die, to sleep no more, and by a sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to, 'tis a consummation devoutly to be wished, to die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream. Aye, there's the rub, for in that sleep of death, what dreams may come? When we have shuffled off this mortal coil. Okay. Actually, I can't. Go into that now. <laughs> I can't start analysing Shakespeare at this point, but it did a good job. It did break it down into pretty simple English. I can't show that to you right now. So you can ask it to use simple English at your level if you want to. You can also prompt it in your first language, of course, but you have to request that it responds in English. So there you go. I've just gone through loads of different things you can do with ChatGPT and given my thoughts and um, comments and my evaluations of them. Um, At the end here, let let me now give an overview with some more comments and some conclusions about this. So, ChatGPT, it's definitely way better than any chatbots I've ever seen before. There's no denying how impressive it is in many ways. I only scratched the surface here. It can do lots of other things, including creating legal contracts, writing song lyrics, writing short stories, movie plots, essay plans, essays and things, but I think we still need to be a bit sceptical or critical about it at this stage. It's impressive at first, but working closely with it shows us its limitations. And, you know, it is prone to just getting things wrong quite randomly, like we saw with the early example of asking it which famous people I've had on my show, and it just said things that were just simply not true. Don't assume that it is answering your questions correctly or reliably. It seems to miss things and contradict itself sometimes, and also it lacks the overall vision and emotional intelligence that a good teacher can have. Um, There are also questions about things like how it could encourage cheating and also other criticisms, and I'll, I'll explore some more of those in a few minutes. They've done wonders with the marketing of this, allowing us all to use it freely, which has caused us all to talk about it. And as a result, it's gone viral with everyone talking about it. This is helping them to make money now by selling it as a service, which people can incorporate into their websites and so on, and charging people for the pro version of it. And also, it's allowed them to get more data as millions of people have been using it, which is allowing them to develop it further. And I'm no doubt they might use that data for other purposes, but I'm not sure. In fact, it is improving and changing all the time, ChatGPT, becoming more and more accurate and sophisticated. For learning English, there are definitely ways it can help, including taking out some of the time-consuming things like creating little memory tests, creating sample texts and dialogues, which you can use, having some limited conversation practice. So, you know, it, it does take the time out of some of those time-consuming things, um, One of its main strengths is error correction. It can quickly correct errors in your writing and even explain the reasons, although the explaining is a bit limited. It can correct your English, but don't rely on it too much. Try to use this as a tool to help you improve your English, not just something that you rely on at the expense of making progress on your own. Learn from it, but don't let it do all the work. Um, You need to have a pretty good level of English to prompt ChatGPT properly. Sometimes you need to find clever ways to get it to do exactly what you want, and I think this requires a lot of control over your language. So that might make it difficult for lower-level learners. As I mentioned before, you often need to find different ways to ask your question or to give your prompt before you get what you're looking for. So you do need to kind of try and try again. Remember, you can tell it exactly what to do, so keep getting specific. It's still a bit early for us to completely rely on it as a personal language teacher or a conversation partner, but it can be a convenient tool for certain basic tasks that can be time-consuming. Chat GPT has no emotional intelligence. It isn't great at working out what you really want it to do which is something I have to do as a teacher all the time. I'm always interpreting my students' intentions and what they want to say and helping them to find the right words or sentences to do that and then helping them produce that again and again, adapting and reacting all the time and also managing the students' feelings and emotional responses, right? So as a teacher, it's a kind of special dance that you have to do with the student and this is extremely complicated and requires a lot of sensitivity and also plenty of teaching experience to allow you to pinpoint exactly what is needed of you as a teacher. So that's emotional intelligence and teaching experience. And ChatGPT has a long way to go before it can do that. Um, For the time being, it is no replacement for the interaction you can have with a real human. And this is still one of the best ways to practice and develop proper communication skills in English. It's definitely better to practice interacting in English with a real human, preferably one who is able to help you with your English learning because they have skills and experience in this area. Uh, Also, don't underestimate the importance of those emotional aspects of communication with people. ChatGPT is no replacement for that at the moment. Having said that, that moment when I did use it to practice my French was quite revealing for me and showed me that actually um, um, that was a very good experience and, you know, there are benefits, although it's not like chatting with a human in, in some ways that's good because you don't want the, the social awkwardness of chatting with a human sometimes. Sometimes you just want the safe space to be able to just like write in your second language or your other language and have no, so no sense of judgment, you know? So that, that's, that's a positive thing. Um, but maybe one day chat GPT will be so good that talking to it will be indistinguishable from talking to a real person, which is quite an unnerving prospect somehow, right? It it will probably be so good eventually that it'll probably get to the point where you'll be chatting with it and you'll be thinking, is this a real person or not? Or you you could let someone chat with it and say, are you chatting with a real person or not? And they wouldn't be able to tell. It'll probably get to that stage. But anyway, it's important to continue practicing your English by interacting with real people in social scenarios or using materials that have been developed by real people and real teachers. Um, Talking to people can be a bit intimidating if you're shy or introverted, but it is essential to practice doing it because interpersonal skills are vital in communication. Chat GPT doesn't speak or listen yet, so no listening or speaking practice is possible. But no doubt that will come eventually. They'll probably find a way. Someone will find a way to convert to to combine Chat GPT or something like Chat GPT with uh, text to voice software and maybe even sort of facial animation software. So it'll look and feel and sound exactly like you're talking to a person. That'll probably happen eventually. So. What does ChatGPT say about its limitations as a language learning tool? What are some possible problems with using ChatGPT for learning English? Well, it's not going to answer that question because it's it's kind of blocked me because I used it too much. But that's a question that we could ask it. Um, some other issues. Um, I wonder if it will be free forever. I've written like it won't be, but I wonder if it will be free forever. They've made it free now to get our attention. But eventually, uh, we'll probably have to pay to use it fully. In fact, already the free version is quite limited, as we've seen. It's slow sometimes and stops performing after about one hour of interaction. It's been more than one hour, though. But it also depends on um, the frequency of input, right? I wonder if later this year, ChatGPT will still be as accessible as it is now. I expect that they'll let us all use it for a while in order to get our attention. And now they're monetizing it, um, uh, the product, they're monetizing the product and limiting free access to it. Uh, I wonder how ChatGPT will develop. It'll certainly get better and better. Perhaps one day, soon, it will flawlessly do all the things we want it to do. There are also some frightening aspects to this when we imagine the impact this might have on the world. Despite what I said about it being no replacement for human interaction, it is remarkably advanced and sophisticated. And that is only the current version of the software. I expect this current iteration of ChatGPT is just the tip of the iceberg, and eventually it will be almost impossible to differentiate between the chatbot and a real human. And when this is combined uh, with lifelike speech generation and real-life visuals like sort of deepfakes. As well, a video version talking and responding naturally with a lifelike face and voice, in fact so lifelike that we won't be able to work out if we're dealing with a human or not. That will be quite frightening because suddenly we're, we're living in the film Blade Runner or Ex Machina or AI, uh, the Steven Spielberg film, with all the ethical and social ramifications explored by those films. Um, By the way, those films seem to explore questions of whether it is ethical for us to create highly intelligent AI capable of human-like emotions and whether it is ethical for us to treat them like slaves or as subhuman. They are like us, even better than us in many ways, but they don't have the same rights as us. Other films have explored the threat to humankind of artificial intelligence. This includes, th- includes things like the Terminator series and the Matrix, which show a world in which AI becomes self-aware and decides to fight against humans or to enslave us. A more immediate and realistic problem with something like chat GPT is how it can affect the job market and whether it will make lots of people redundant in various sectors, what will we do when, when so much of our work can be done by AI that, that doesn't need to eat, sleep or take breaks? What will happen to us? Will people, still be un- will people still be employable? What happens when the human population continues to rise, but the number of jobs we can do in order to earn money decreases? I have no idea. Maybe I'm taking a slightly negative view of things there, but I mean, it, these are things that a lot of people are thinking. And will AI eventually make it completely unnecessary to even learn another language? Will we simply have simultaneous automatic translations? Will AI augment our reality completely? Will we somehow be connected uh, in the most intimate and integral way with technology? A bit like the Matrix or something, which will mean that we won't need to learn languages anymore because it'll all just be done, you know, by the uh, algorithms or whatever. I'm not sure, to be honest. What people usually say in response to that question is that we will always want to learn languages because there can be no replacement for the experience of communicating with people naturally using language, and no technology can replace or replicate uh, this experience sufficiently. Now, I've got more stuff here. I've got more stuff like asking questions, asking chat GPT more questions about itself, about its role in the world. I don't have time for that now. Uh but so that's it. Thank you so much for listening everybody. This has been incredibly long. It's about 3 hours. So this is probably going to be what maybe three parts, three episodes. I don't know how I've organized this, but I hope that you've enjoyed it um and that you found it useful. Uh leave your comments in the comments section. Um surely this has um made you think of some things and you've probably got some responses of your own and comments of your own, so do leave them in the comments section. Um, I'm probably going to do another episode, at least one more at some point about ChatGPT, just because it is fun to mess around with it and really see what it can do. Maybe I'll do a lot more. Maybe, it's, maybe ChatGPT is going to become like a really permanent addition to our lives. Maybe not even ChatGPT or other, something similar similar kinds of things. In the same way that we just Google things now, we don't even think twice about it. Or the same way that we use a calculator to to do maths problems, we just do that automatically. Maybe this is going to become the kind of permanent thing in our lives that we don't even think about. In which case, no doubt I will be consulting ChatGPT or something similar a lot more in the future in episodes of the podcast. But certainly um in the near future, I will I would like to do more stuff with this because it is fun to mess around with it and really see what it can do, including asking it to do things like plan a podcast episode for me or to write an introduction to to an episode, have funny conversations, write jokes and write short stories and lots of other things that I can use in the show. I certainly don't intend to get ChatGPT to write podcast introductions or episode transcripts or anything like that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to lose the human touch and I'm not going to be doing that, but I might do a few episodes just messing around with it just for fun. Okay, but that's it. That's the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening and to uh, for watching all of this. Uh, as I said, leave your comments in the comment section. I will speak to you again soon on the podcast in some way, but for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye.